0: Matthew Stafford is now a member of the LA Rams. So, where does that leave the rest of the quarterback carousel?
1: Plus, find out why the NBA's Western Conference is changing by the minute.
0: That and more, coming up next on the Takes on Tap show. I'm a knock it out the park, Louisville slugger. Got a chick wearing crop top, nothing else under. Drop a gear, speed and pass. Finish first, burn rubber. Get your girl off of me, bro. No, I don't want her. And welcome in, guys, to the Takes on Tap show. As always, I'm Scott Kirk with... Brandon Daniels. And again, this is all presented by Belly Up Sports. We can't thank them enough, and here we are, and we've got a packed week coming.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have so much going on. I mean, last week, we are kind of struggling for topics. We got into a lot of NBA, which was definitely fun. Got into some baseball. But now, we have so much content we don't know what to do with. It, it's going to be a great show.
0: But before that, you know, let's take a break for the minute. Everything's been going really good. We got the Super Bowl coming up next week. Life's been good, man I mean weekend was fun and uh, before we get to the actual sports talk I thought it was pretty cool over the weekend Uh, when I was a little kid I was a big wrestling fan growing up and uh, over the weekend one of my favorite wrestlers growing up uh, his ring name is Edge Honestly, it's a pretty cool name. It is pretty rad. Edge. Pretty cool. Um, He came back. He returned and uh, he won the Royal Rumble. For those of you who don't know, it's like a big 30-man like elimination match. He came back and he won it. He's like in his mid 40s. Nobody expected him to come back. Cause he like, injured his neck pretty bad. He comes back and now he won the match. And I saw it yesterday, and I I don't know why for some reason it just caught my eye, and I got like really reminiscent. I wanted to cry like some happy tears or something like that. I'm like growing up now, and sometimes I wish I was like a little kid, you know.
1: <laughs> That's the beauty of sports, though.
0: Yeah, that is the beauty of sports. I don't really care what some of the guys say. I think wrestling, pro wrestling, is a sport. It's it's, it's fun to watch. I mean, yeah,
1: it's it's entertainment. You know? That's what sports is anyway. That's what basketball is, football is, whatever.
0: Yeah, only difference is at the results stage. <laughs>
1: it's fine though. I yeah. mean, these guys are incredibly athletic, and and they they need to be. I mean, look, they, they'd all whip our asses. So like, oh my God. Yes. Uh, obviously, the professional yes. athletes. It's it's a good product. Um, it, it's a far cry from what we see in other sports, but it's definitely a good product. And, and yeah, I didn't personally get to see the uh, see the Royal Rumble this past weekend. Yeah, I but you were out having
0: was. tacos, bud.
1: Yeah, I was. I was doing other things.
0: Yeah. Um, also, uh, to give you your weekly Bachelor update, I mean, last week's episode was pretty jam-packed, not going to lie. Mm. Lots of drama coming up, you know, rumors of a girl being, of being an escort, uh, you know, that, that are coming up. Matt just got alerted, so a new episode comes out tonight. And as, of course, as you know, uh, our show has a new drop date, right? It's Tuesday now, yeah. so from this point forward, our show will be coming out every Tuesday like you're listening right now today, or if you're not, you know, every Tuesday, our new episodes will be dropped until you know further notice. That's the new plan. Can't wait. Can't wait. So let's start us off here. Over the weekend, Saturday night, Matthew Stafford was traded to the Los Angeles Rams. It wasn't the Colts. It wasn't the Niners. It wasn't even the Bears. It was the Los Angeles Rams who came out of nowhere and acquired Matthew Stafford. Let me give you the details, all right? As we know, a blockbuster trade can happen anytime, and that is what happened. The Detroit Lions agreed to deal franchise quarterback Matthew Stafford to the Rams for Jared Goff and three future NFL draft picks. The Rams sent Jared Goff, their 2021 third-round pick, their 2022 first-round pick, and their 2023 first-round pick to the Lions, for Matthew Stafford. Is this a win for both teams? You
1: know, I think a lot of people are out here saying that the Rams got fleeced. I saw that a lot online, especially when the trade went through. But if we think about it, the Rams are they are built to win now. They, they just got to the playoffs. They got to the divisional round. Did they have the best game against Green Bay? No, but that's Green Bay. They're one of the best teams in the NFL. And for me, the big problem for LA was the fact that they just didn't have a consistent quarterback. They were starting Wolfer, they were starting Goff, and it was just all over the place, right? And so for me, Matthew Stafford's the guy. Did they overpay for him? Sure, maybe a little bit. They gave up their franchise quarterback to try to win now. That's fine because I think Matthew Stafford is I think he's an upgrade over Jared Goff, at least at this point for the Rams. They need a guy who's going to come in there and produce consistent results, and that's what we've been saying about Matthew Stafford for the past few weeks. Whichever team he goes on, those teams need consistent results. at like quarterback, the Rams got a good one. But Scott, how do you feel about the Lions and Jared Goff? I mean, I feel like, I feel like Jared Goff's just got sent to purgatory. Like he's, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to see him again.
0: Yeah. Well, real quick before we get into that, I think it's important to mention the Rams this year in the draft. Uh, I believe they only have a second round pick, a fourth round pick, and so on, right? And if the trend keeps going, I think that'll be at least seven, nine years. So seven or nine years, or maybe seven. That the Rams will go without a first round pick.
1: Yeah, it's I know definitely. Oh, since the Sean McVay, are, they haven't had a first round pick. They're like they're forty three and twenty one. Yeah, with with without having a first round pick. I don't Sean know McVay how, knows
0: what he's doing. I don't know how Les Snead does it. I, I think the credit has to go to Les Snead. That's true because they know how to acquire talent. He's the one that knows how to acquire talent. He's gotten Brandon Cooks, Jalen Ramsey a keep to leave back 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 uh in his you know final stage of his prime mm. um he's he's done a great job honestly because when I build a team that's not the way I go about it but you know what it works for them and it's paid off I can't really say bad things I don't think they've gone under 500 since Sean mcvay got there
1: no they went nine and seven the year after they made the Super Bowl and everyone's like this team's gonna this team's you know underperforming they went nine and seven like yeah okay they underperformed com- in comparison when they went to the Super Bowl but 97 football team. They're yeah. fine. They went back to the playoffs. They're fine.
0: And final thoughts on the Rams real quick. Let me just say for the Rams, um, look, fantastic. You got Matthew Stafford. You have a lot of talent. Cam Akers is only going to get better. He's still young. Uh, you know, they got great wide receivers. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds, pretty solid options there. Tied in Tyler Higbee. He's not Travis Kelsey, but he catches the ball, and I see him play. He makes plays a big body. Nice, reliable target. Defense. Really good. They did lose Brandon Staley. Let me say, did you throw all your chips maybe in one basket? Because let me say, the NFC West is really packed. Look at these quarterbacks. All right. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and Matthew Stafford. Still waiting on the 49er quarterback, but that one should be pretty good too. That's three good quarterbacks. Could be four. That's going to be a tough, tough division right now. All right. And if you're the Rams and you don't at least make the NFC Championship, or at least one Super Bowl in those two years that you have Stafford for, I would kind of count that as a loss because you're going without a first round pick. If the Rams underperform, somebody is going to pay, whether it's Les Snead or Sean McVay or somebody else. Somebody's going to pay for it because that's a lot to gamble. I think. But what's, right? what's your what's
1: your what's your taking on underperforming? Because people are saying the Rams underperformed. I mean, in twenty nineteen they went nine and seven. So what's your take on
0: underperforming? An underperformance for this team right now. I would say, is divisional round. Really?
1: I mean, that's it's tough to get to the divisional it round. It is very
0: tough. It is extremely tough. But, I mean, obviously, they think that Matthew Stafford can get them to a Super Bowl, right? Otherwise, it would have stuck with Jared Goff. Because Stafford, he's not getting any younger. Okay? And if you're going to go without all those picks... You think that your team is built to win now, because what's going to happen is that eventually the money's going to creep bump on you, you're going to have to cut some guys, and all those things. My worry for the Rams is the offensive line. Andrew Whitworth is 38, 39 years old. He's not Mr. Reliable, and I don't see any other young guys on the offensive line that can come to my mind. Correct me if I'm wrong, I understand that the Rams might have been a top three offensive line according to Pro Football Focus. I heard it from somewhere, but I can't think of a guy besides Andrew Whitworth that is really... Uh, a solidifiable big guy that nobody wants to get a piece of like Mekhi Becton or like Jack Conklin for Cleveland, right?
1: I think the thing about offensive lines, though, is, you know, we don't talk about, okay, do the Rams have good tackles? Do the Rams have good guards? We talk about them as a unit, as a, as a five-man unit. So I, personally, to me, I don't think it matters that we don't have a guy like, you know, Jack Conklin or Quentin Nelson at guard, whoever it may be, Makai Becton. I think the most important thing is this team, that unit plays well as a unit. And it's obvious that at least this past year they did that. Um, but like you said, Andrew Whitworth is, is 38, 39 years old. He's not; at, he's at the tail end of his career. This might be his last year. We don't know. So I think that's the big question for LA. Um, to be honest, on the offensive side of the football, they're fine at receiver. They're fine at running back. They're going to be fine at quarterback with Stafford. If he doesn't get protection then the he's going to be able to perform. Of course, we're down. not saying that they're going to tank without Matt if, if they don't have good offensive line play. But it's definitely something to look at to say that's the reason why they didn't perform as well as we thought they were.
0: Look at Tampa, you know, two weeks ago uh, when they played Green Bay. That defensive line was unstoppable and they couldn't be stopped. So it just shows how, it goes to show how important things really are. But away from that, let's let me not criticize it too much. Let me look at the positives. I like it overall. Overall, I like it. Obviously, I just addressed my concerns, but I like Matthew Stafford a lot. I love Sean McVay a lot, and I think it's really going to work. I'm going to get to Jared Goff in a minute, but let me just say I'm excited, really excited. Matthew Stafford is finally freed from purgatory, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I know you're, you're sitting there with a very angry grin because you're a Colts guy. We're going to talk about the Colts very very much later. But, I mean, look, non 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 bias aside as a Colts fan. You gotta admit, it's a great deal for the Rams. Like, you know, aside from losing your first-round picks, just Matthew Stafford alone, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, they were really, like we said, they were a quarterback away from really getting over the hump. And look, Jared Goff performed really well in, in 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl. That he played really, really well. I mean, you saw that uh, Monday Night Football game against the Chiefs, went shot for shot with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, won that game, actually. I didn't, for... I, really didn't. I didn't think
0: Jared Goff was horrible. I really didn't think Jared Goff was horrible at all. I... I could admit that Matthew Stafford's better, but I don't think Jared Goff's horrible.
1: No, I think injuries definitely had had a, had an effect on him. I, I think that's definitely true. He does perform pretty terribly under pressure. If his offensive line folds, it's going to be a problem. So I don't expect to see Jared Goff putting up big numbers next year in Detroit because they don't have a good offensive line at all. Weapons are kind of off and on. Um, so I don't expect Jared Goff personally to put up good numbers in, in Detroit, but for L.A., I think this is a great move. Matthew Stafford, I've been singing his praises for weeks now because I want him to come to Indianapolis. The Rams are kind of built like Indianapolis. They're a team that you can kind of plug and play any quarterback on their roster, and they'll do fine.
0: Yeah, I completely agree there. And, and going away from the Rams, let's go to the Motor City for a sec. right? Dan Campbell, uh, he's, he's got a new quarterback in Jared Goff. Honestly... I think it's kind of a win-win situation because a the Lions get multiple picks, they're a rebuilding team, but also if you want to look at the half glass full scenario here, and a lot of people would disagree with me, that's fine. But let, let's just try to play it positive here. It could really work out for Detroit if if they put good guys around around Jared Goff. He could actually stay there and be their quarterback for years to come. He's not that horrible. I know he made bad, boneheaded mistakes, but that's fixable. You get a good coach in there, you have a good system. We know he can win. He made it to a Super Bowl. That wasn't a fluke. I mean, at least I don't think it was. It could actually kind of work.
1: Yeah, well, the thing about Detroit is they don't have any pieces of value, really, for Jared Goff to be able to succeed with. Outside of DeAndre Swift and Kenny Galladay, who may not even return to the team. He's a free agent this year. I don't really see any, any way that Jared Goff and that team performs well this, uh, this upcoming season or next season. It's really, for me, it's a win for Detroit but they're gonna need a lot more pieces than just Jared Goff.
0: Yeah, so going away from that, right? Obviously, you know Jared Goff, it could work, could not work. But again, I think it's important to talk about the collateral damage done around the NFL just by this deal alone, right? Because where does that leave Deshaun Watson's status? Where does that leave teams like the Colts and the 49ers? Right now, as we speak on this Monday morning, um, it's rumored that the 49ers are possibly trying to make a move on Kirk Cousins. Yes, the quarterback carousel is going wild right now. Nuts. All because of this deal. So much collateral damage. It feels like the Avengers in, in Sokovia when all those people died just because they were fighting, man. I mean, it's, it's crazy right now. Could I, Kirk I, Cousins work on the 49ers? I don't know. It's
1: – I like Jimmy G. I don't know. To me, I'm, I'm a fan of Jimmy G, and I don't – I think that San Francisco the the reason why they obviously the reason why they didn't succeed this year is because of, of their all of their injuries. Um, I say that you gotta give Jimmy G one more year because he did just get him to a Super Bowl. Now we just like you can say, Oh, just because a quarterback got to a Super Bowl doesn't mean he's good enough to be their franchise quarterback. But is Kirk Cousins an upgrade over Jimmy G? I say not.
0: Not only that, but let's think about it for a minute. If, if the Niners stick with Garoppolo, he's still the fourth uh, best quarterback in that division, so that's worst in the NFC West. If they get Kirk Cousins, I would also argue that he's like the worst quarterback in, in that division as well. Like, does it really make that big of a difference? Like, as you just said, I'm not sure it does. But not only that, what would you even have to give up to get Kirk Cousins? That's at least a first round pick. Plus, more, we saw what they give up for Stafford. I mean, c- could Kirk Cousins be more or less?
1: Yeah, is it, is it, here's the thing is it worth giving up all of that capital? for a guy that's probably just going to end up playing similar to Jimmy G. does Kirk Cousins does have some upsides, though. He, I mean, he, I think he throws a better ball than Jimmy G. 100%. But that's still not – like, I don't think that's a good enough upgrade. There are guys who aren't great quarterbacks that just throw a good ball. I think Jameis Winston throws a great ball, but I don't think he's a guy that you want to bring in to be your franchise quarterback, per se. We're, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, like, there are guys that throw great balls. Jameis Winston, he throws a great – he his deep ball is really nice, the way he throws a ball. Gets intercepted a lot, but like he throws a good ball, um, so Kirk Cousins to me that bringing him in is not worth the extra capital. That's what I think.
0: Yeah, and so obviously we'll, we're gonna keep you updated on this move uh, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all those all those good things. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at official takes on tap and on Twitter at the takes on tap show, alongside TikTok at the takes on tap show, and finally. I know you're sitting there with that uh, little grinchy face still, because where does this leave the Indianapolis Colts?
1: Okay, so the Colts are kind of screwed right now. I think everyone who's talked to Chris Bauer, the GM, Jim Irsay, um, the owner, they've all kind of said that Matthew Stafford was going to be that guy. Um, That's been swirling around for weeks because the Colts were the— in my opinion, I still think the Colts are a better option than L.A., because of the reason, because of the fact that L.A. is in the NFC West and the Colts are in a much weaker division than the AFC South. They really have one team to compete with right now, and that's the Tennessee Titans. And I think with a guy like Matthew Stafford, they'd be able to possibly sweep the, that team. I'm not going to say that's going to happen, but that's a bold claim. But outside of Tennessee, they have no competition in the AFC South, whereas in the NFC West, San Francisco, I mean, the, the, the division's loaded. San Francisco, Seattle, and Arizona. Three borderline playoff teams right there. So if I'm Matthew Stafford, look, you, you're going to a good team, but like I think Matthew Stafford would have done better on Indianapolis. Now, where does that leave Indianapolis? That's the big question. There is a lot of options swirling around. Carson Wentz is still being talked about if uh, Philadelphia decides that they're going to move on with him. We have no idea what's happening there. Um, Nick Sirianni, their new head coach, the former Colts OC, he uh, he's just getting started there, so we have no idea what's going to happen. Um, granted, he was working with Frank Reich, like I, th- I believe they worked together in, L- uh, don't quote me on that, but I believe they worked together in the past before. Um, so does that have a role in whether or not they keep Wentz? I don't know, but Wentz is still an option for Indianapolis. And now there's some new talk about Jameis Winston possibly being an option for Indianapolis. I want to see what you think about this, because personally, I'm not a fan of that at all.
0: Jameis Winston is just Philip Rivers with legs. I mean, 100%. He is the same exact guy as Philip Rivers, but he has legs. That's it. So I don't think that Jameis Winston is going to solve any problems at all. If you're going to go with Jameis Winston, might as well just roll Jacoby Brissette out there. Or even Jacob Eason. Right now, I think the Colts are screwed. And to be honest, a lot of Colt fans really acted like they uh, had Matthew Stafford in the bag.
1: It's more of just a confidence because we Stafford and the Colts Chris wasn't... Ballard's
0: cheap. Okay. Like, he he tries to fleece a lot of teams. Yeah,
1: I mean, okay, so there were a lot of reports on Twitter about what teams were offering. The Colts apparently were not offering their first-round pick this year, although there were a lot of other deals that they were trying to make and try to go through. Is Chris Baller cheap? Yeah, but, like, I can kind of give him a pass because they're trying to win a Super Bowl. And any guy, I'm assuming that at 21, they're going to go cornerback. If they do keep that pick, they're going to go cornerback. They need a corner. Um, so the, I I don't I wouldn't want to trade that pick simply because there are some good guys at that spot.
0: And, and as a Jets fan, what's what scares me, and to be honest, I, I think the most realistic option, as much as it kills me to say, for the Colts is Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. I think that's the most realistic option. I'm, I'm totally uh, fine alongside with Joe with uh, Jacoby Brissett. I think Sam Darnold is he'd
1: be pretty solid in Indianapolis. Oh,
0: 100%. percent. He'd be so good.
1: See, like my question is, how much of an upgrade is he over? No, this is gonna hurt you. But how much of an upgrade is he over Jacoby Brissett?
0: Oh, big upgrade. How big so? Big time upgrade. Because Jacoby Brissett can't move and throw the way Sam Darnold can. Go ahead, and look at the film. You'll see a lot of you, drop passes. Yeah, you, you should look that, at the film. Yeah, you should look at the film and see that he's been he's been just stabbed in the back by bad coaching hires.
1: I mean, un, alternatively, Jacoby Brissett has made some really solid plays in two starting seasons. The first one, I can't even give him a, a like. I I can't even just describe how. Bad that situation was for him he got there like a week before the season started he became the starter in 2019 I mean like right before like right after Andrew Luck retired and that was a couple weeks before the season so he's been thrown into two bad situations now I'm not trying to defend because I don't think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL um, can he go there for one year start for the Colts and do fine sure but is that really what we want no because this team's trying to win a Super Bowl right now and as much as I love Sam Darnold I think it's a very it looks great, like on the flyers. It looks great. Sam Darnold's coming to the Colts, franchise quarterback. I don't really see a big upgrade personally. For me, I don't think that's a huge upgrade. I'd much rather have a guy like Matthew Stafford. But now Carson Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz. I look, Carson Wentz is such a it, he's such a question mark right now. I think it. I think that. I think that'll work. Um, other than Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz is the only guy that I see that would be better than guys like Darnold or Winston. That's what I think.
0: Yeah, and you know, just, there's so much going on right now uh, because the you know Matthew Stafford trade, so much collateral damage. And to be honest, I love it, and I'm all here for it. Speculation is my game, and it's pretty much one of the uh, most fun things to talk about. But that being said, let me just uh, give a shout out to our sponsor, Invader Coffee. Invader Coffee is a small batch, air roasted coffee company. That's veteran-owned and operated out of Austin, Texas. That's why we're so hyper right now. They got great, rich coffee, Brandon. You
1: know, you might be pretty energetic, but, like, I'm dead tired. So, to be honest, I really just need some Invader coffee right
0: now. Exactly. I will make you some Invader coffee right after this. But all of their beans are fair trade and sourced from all over the world. Only 1%. 1% 1% of the world's coffee is air roasted, making this a very unique process. Due to this roasting method, their coffee is a low acidity and it's very, very smooth. All right. All of their coffee is available for subscription. Go ahead, go to their website, invadercoffee.com, and use our code belly up for 15% off your order. That's right. Belly up at checkout for 15% off your order at invadercoffee.com. Alrighty, and we're back here. And, of course, uh, my partner, my right, just got some Invader coffee himself. What are your thoughts on uh, that?
1: It's pretty solid. I'm ready to go now. So uh,
0: Ready to go. Let's so let's, let's hop back into it. So, again, uh, back to the final segment of the quarterback, you know, controversy, drama, whatever you want to call it going on right now due to the ripple effects of the Matthew Stafford trade. What does this mean for Deshaun Watson now, right? Because if, if all those picks got traded for Matthew Stafford, you have to imagine – You have to imagine that Deshaun Watson has to be worth a lot more.
1: Yeah, Deshaun Watson at this rate is going to be going for about six first-round picks, which is, I mean, that's all speculative, but which team is going to give him six first-round picks?
0: Well, the only team that I know has for sure that many picks would be my team, the New York Jets. But one thing to consider— and Jet fans, uh, I know there's a lot of you out there. I don't know if this will make the Reddit or not, but I know you all want him. He's a great player. Not going against it, but remember, Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause, which means that he can approve or deny any trade the Texans uh, send off. And I just don't think you would want to come to New York. I don't see it. They're the Texans, but they're green and white. They have no receivers. They have no offensive help in the running back position. You trade for Deshaun Watson, you don't have the tools to get those. Uh, receivers or running backs or defensive pieces. I don't know why you would do it. It doesn't make sense to me, and I, 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 think that Houston's going to retain Deshaun Watson. I really think that the Houston Texans will make Deshaun Watson sit out and have a move's money if he really is going to be that petty.
1: That's uh that's very interesting because I was looking on FanDuel earlier to uh, before we started filming. The team that has the best odds to get Deshaun Watson this offseason is the New York Jets.
0: But second Is odds. the Houston
1: Texans. So the Jets are plus 230. The, uh, the Houston Texans are plus 260. So it is a tight battle. However, I want to take the side of the New York Jets here. Because if I'm being completely honest, Houston and Deshaun Watson, their relationship is fractured. And Houston could say we want to keep you, Deshaun. We want to keep you, Deshaun. But it's still going to be fractured because he's not going to be that fun to have around in the locker room, or you know, what talking to the organization or whoever. It's just not going to be good. So if I'm, you know, if I'm being honest, I can see Houston trying to deal him off for whoever and for whatever. Um, however, I do think this is going to be a good trade for. New- I honestly, I think the New York Jets need Deshaun Watson. And now I I argued a couple of weeks ago about how the Jets will be trading their future. We talked about this, and I agreed with you. The Jets really, they don't need a quarterback. However, I think if you get Deshaun Watson, you can do something interesting, which is using Sam Darnold. Either you trade him back to Houston, or you trade him to another team, Indianapolis, whoever. And you're kind of, you know, it's kind of like a consolation prize for losing all your first-round picks. You get a couple back for for Sam Darnold. So I don't think it's a totally lost cause. And if the Jets somehow manage to get a First round pick from this for this upcoming draft for Sam Darnold. I don't think that's a bad trade whatsoever. If they want to get to Sean Watson and lose a lot of picks
0: again, again, when you get to Sean Watson, you're gonna have to sign a bunch of free agents, which would really throw you under the cap. And with the first year head coach, and you're gonna have all those brand new free agents, it just kind of feels like you're just kind of piecing it together with duct tape. You're not really fixing problems. I've always said, depth wins games. That's why the Chiefs are so good, and that's what I want as a fan. Now, look, if the Jets get to Sean Watson. Fantastic. Great. I won't be sad at all. I won't be thrilled, but I won't be sad whatsoever. I'm not an idiot. I know Deshaun Watson's fantastic. I would just rather not gamble all of my picks, but that's just my perspective. But I think realistically, it's either the Jets or the Texans. If the Niners come in, swoop in, and get Deshaun Watson, fantastic. That's the best thing for everyone, especially for the fans, because the Niners are a great team. Deshaun Watson's a great player. They'll be really fun to watch, especially in that division. Imagine Matthew Stafford... Versus Deshaun Watson on Sunday night. And then the next Sunday night, you got Kylie Murray, Russell Wilson. I mean, that's, for a fan, that's the best move.
1: Yeah, I mean, that would be an incredible division. We were already talking about it before this season, that how loaded the NFC West was going to be. It didn't really shape out to, you know, what we were actually hoping for. You know, Seattle underachieved. Obviously, San Francisco dealt with injuries. Arizona didn't make the playoffs. Um, so... It definitely underachieves based on our extremely high expectations. But, I mean, Deshaun Watson. I mean, see, the, the, the interesting part there is now in that situation, Matthew Stafford could be considered the worst quarterback in that division. And that's crazy because Matthew Stafford's a really good quarterback.
0: Exactly. And, and that goes to my point, man. Like, it's going it, – it's nuts. It's really nuts. The ripple effect of that trade is just like, Wow. So many things have just come and, and crumbled just because of the Rams trade.
1: Yeah, it, I can't wait to see what team actually ends up trading for Jonathan Watson, or if he even leaves at all. But I expect him to be traded, and I uh, can't wait.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. But let's move uh, forward to the NBA right now. So. Mm-hmm. Of course, the Utah Jazz, uh, they had an 11-game winning streak. It just came to an end, and they are the second-best team in the West behind the Lakers. Uh, does this team actually have a shot to make it to the Western Conference Finals? Because, obviously, the Nuggets, uh, after a 1-5 start, they are on the rise. Uh, Phoenix, they've got some pieces in Devin Booker, Chris Paul, a couple guys there. The Clippers are, are, are you know, they have Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, Tyron Lue. They're not doing too bad either after course their 50 point loss back in December so you know do do teams like the Jazz and and the Nuggets have a shot to actually contend with the Lakers?
1: I think as of right now I would say no I don't think either of those teams make it to the Western Conference Final this may be like a a media thing or whatever but I have to go I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the side that it's going to be Clippers Lakers in the Western Conference Finals from what I've seen right now the Clippers are playing so well in comparison to last year they fixed a lot of their, their chemistry issues Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are finally starting to mesh together and that was a big problem last year it was kind of like two stars on the court versus actually having one team on the court that's kind of how I felt about it um, and so far they're sixteen and five they're first in the Western Conference and I don't see them slowing down at all and obviously for the Lakers they've been playing pretty I mean, they've been playing really good basketball as well so. I I would lean towards saying L.A. versus L.A. in the Western Conference Finals, but I would not count out Utah or Denver. However, just going back to last year, these teams go on hot streaks, but I still don't see enough in terms of a roster, from a roster perspective, for them to be able to compete with L.A. or, you know, the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, Jokic is playing like an MVP candidate right now, and Donovan Mitchell is playing some great basketball. But outside of those two guys on those two teams, they don't really have a talented enough roster to keep up with the guys that are on both of those L.A. teams. That's what I'm, that's what I'm feeling.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, like, right now, I, I kind of feel like how I feel with the Chiefs right now in the AFC. I think right now in the West, it's the Lakers and everybody else, really. I mean, LeBron James is just so dominant. And normally, I've kind of been, like, a LeBron James hater. But I'm sorry. I, I can't really doubt the man anymore. He's just doing too much right now for me to speak against him. I would sound like an idiot if I if I didn't think that the Lakers had a legitimate shot to win the West and the whole thing right now. Um, They beat Boston the other night. I had to hear that. Uh, Obviously, Celtics fans weren't too pleased with that one, but it was a nice, entertaining game. Mm -hmm. And again, the Lakers, when you have LeBron James, you're virtually guaranteed to win if you have another star alongside him, and that would be Anthony Davis. So uh, unless the Nuggets or the Jazz, like, pull off like a 10-point, 15-point win against the Lakers in the regular season. I wouldn't think it would be that close right now.
1: No, I I don't think so either. Time's going to tell. We've been saying that the NBA season just started. Uh, We're only about 20-22 games into the season for most of these teams. So I, I don't expect many things to change. However, what I'm very interested in is the Eastern Conference, but you know... It's a much more crowded uh, conference, whereas in the West, it's these two teams, both LA teams, and then we got a couple of
0: contenders below that. Yeah, I think it's really fun to know and talk about all this NBA stuff because things are really changing. Like, this year seems to be one of the most different NBA years, like, ever. You got the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Knicks playing good basketball. When that happens in the same year, you know it's an anomaly. De-
1: decent basketball. Let's not go too far. They're hey, playing For decent them, basketball. it's great. Hold on, for you them, know it's the, great. The interesting thing is. Cleveland's playing decent basketball, the Knicks are playing decent basketball, and Charlotte's playing decent basketball, and they're playing better than the Cavs and the Knicks. They're in the playoff, like, they're, they're in the playoff picture. I, I expect Charlotte to make the playoffs.
0: And you know who's not playing decent basketball? The, the Miami, Miami Heat, Heat? Yeah. Not great at all. <laughs> I'm just gonna brush, brush around, beat around the bush there. But uh, moving on to the East, uh, as we mentioned, uh, the Brooklyn Nets, obviously, super team. Like, the Avengers of basketball. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. I mean, you got the Beard. The Slim Reaper, and uh, Muhammad Ali, right? Yep. All those guys. So, obviously, they're a fantastic team, but their defense is so bad. Brandon, I hear you have a mind-breaking stat for me.
1: I have a stat for you. So, uh, this is according to StatMuse on Twitter. Um, if the season ended today and we took the offensive and de- defensive totals for every single NBA team, as you see every single day, you can check them now and wherever, um, the Nets currently hold it was just over 122 points per game on offense. That's that uh, that number would put them as the best offensive team in NBA history in terms of how many points they can score per game on a per night basis. And
0: that's against the Warrior teams, the Michael Jordan teams, the Heat teams. Every teams.
1: one of them. If the season ends today, no team would be scoring more points per game than the Brooklyn Nets in NBA history. On the flip side of that, their defense is allowing 119 points per game and that if the season ended today would be regarded as the worst defensive total in NBA history. So, not only do we have these are the two biggest extremes that we ever had in a stat. The best offensive team in NBA history. This is a lot of it basketball that we've gotten in these 70, 80 years of NBA basketball. The best offensive team in NBA history and the worst defensive team in NBA. It's kind of crazy to think about.
0: That's like owning a Bugatti but living in like a in like a I would say trailer park or having a mansion but owning a 99 corolla like yeah. it's it's something like that the huge oxymoron there and it just raises a question uh and it just raises the question here if you're the nets do you even have the assets to move for like a big rim protector that could help you defensively because i don't think they can they, they don't have enough to give up because right now in the Nets. I think it's just really uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, that's it. I don't I don't think they would have enough leverage to move for another guy.
1: You know what? I'm going to disagree with you. I think they do. And their piece is going to be Kyrie Irving. I, I think th- I, I think they move off Kyrie Irving. I think it's time Both Kyrie and James Harden defensively are not going to get the job done. And offensively, James Harden's just a bigger threat. And that's just the case. He's a better passer. Um, Kyrie's a better finisher, but James Harden's a better shooter. He's an all-around—James Harden's an all-around better offensive player. And on defense, it's really a toss-up. Who really cares? They're both not great on the perimeter anyway. So if I'm the Nets— You need a rim protector. DeAndre Jordan is not going to get the job done. And so you got to move Kyrie. I think it's time you move Kyrie. You know, I don't know exactly who would be involved in that trade, who they actually get back in return for Kyrie Irving, um, but it's definitely something to think about. I know Carl Anthony Towns is actually talked about as a guy who may get traded from Minnesota. That would be a blockbuster move if something goes down there.
0: Um, Yeah, the amount of moves that that the Nets would make, you know, in in the short span of a couple months, like, wow, if that actually happened.
1: Yeah, it's kind of nuts. But as of right now, all of these teams can put up points. And and if you have James Harden and Kevin Durant, you're going to be able to put up points. There's no problem there. So for me, if you're so talented offensively, even without Kyrie Irving, it's not a problem. So focus on the defense side of the ball, especially on the interior. Kevin Durant is basically a wing defender. He's fine in the paint. He's 6'10", 6'11". Some people say he's 7 foot. I don't know. But he's a really great defender. But you're going to need a guy at the rim who can really just stuff shots and I think that's what their biggest need is. And if I am the Nets, you got to start moving off Kyrie everything I think it's time.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely time and again, moving away from that, like another guy who could be on the trade block, JJ Redick. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and and the potential suitors uh for for JJ Redick uh would be the Sixers, the Celtics and the team we just talked about, the Brooklyn Nets. I really hope that report's false, at least from the Nets' aspect, because really, if you're the Nets, why would you go out and get JJ Redick when that's literally you have enough shooters? Like, why?
1: Yeah, I think. Why would they do that? Out of those three teams, the Nets make the least amount of sense. I don't think that's what the Nets need. If they want to have a guy like JJ Redick, I don't think. Th- Look, JJ Redick has a thirteen million dollar deal, so you're gonna have to pay him, and I don't think that's worth a guy who scores eight points a game. Especially if he's going to come off your bench because he's going to be playing behind James Harden. Granted, if he went to Philadelphia, he'd most likely be playing off the bench, and if he went to Boston, he'd most likely be playing off the bench. But there's a real need for JJ Redick to play over twenty minutes game on those two teams. Whereas in Brooklyn, he might only see ten minutes of game action per night because they just don't need him. They have an influx of guards. They don't. I don't think they need him. And so if I'm the Sixers or I'm the Celtics, I would pursue JJ Redick pretty aggressively because I think it's a big need first for Philadelphia they just need more outside shooters they have some Seth Curry's been great and and Joel Embiid's actually improving on his three-point shot but overall they just need to just keep getting three-point shooters because Ben Simmons can't shoot the basketball we know that they also have Dwight Howard they have you know Joel Embiid who's a streaky shooter but he can do it but they just need more guys who can consistently get this done and for Boston they need a scorer off their bench Uh, Without Peyton Pritchard, who's been out for a couple of weeks, he will be. Um, They just need more depth, and J.J. Redick would be a great fit for them.
0: Yeah, not only that, if I'm the Nets, um, instead of going after J.J. Redick and just trying to add to your shoe collection, why not get a guy like Jay Crowder over in Phoenix, you know, that big bruiser who can also shoot? Or, you know, guys like those, maybe grab Damari Carroll, a a bigger guy who's, like, bulky and strong. Who can guard the
1: forward position.
0: Exactly. Uh, Lots of questions there in Brooklyn, for sure. Yeah, and again, moving away from the NBA, it's been quite the day here in the studio on this Monday. (laughs) Lots of sports stories, lots of eventful things. Man, what the day it's been.
1: It's been just, I can't even describe it.
0: Yeah, can't can't describe it, but uh, we're going to move on here. And we started this uh, segment last week. Uh, We were going to do MLB preseason power rankings, right? We're going to give you five per week. Uh, last week was uh, was 30 through 26. This week, I'm going to give you 25 through 21. But before I get to the power rankings, um, it's important to note that the MLB spring training might be delayed by a month or so. So it came out uh, about a day or so ago that in Arizona, the officials were asking uh, Major League Baseball to postpone spring training for a month, right, in order to allow more time for people to get vaccinated Right? So that way you can, you can draw in more fans. So the proposal from the MLB, uh, the commissioner's office, is a 154-game regular season with an expanded postseason. So instead of uh, 16 teams, it would be 14 teams this year. And it, there, there would be more games and less off days, but there'd be more room for double-headers with the seven-inning rules. So it'll be interesting to see if the spring training and the start of the MLB season actually get delayed. Because if those things get delayed, then for sure the power rankings will be delayed as well. Of
1: course, yeah, of course. But Scott, you got five teams here, and I want to hear them. So what do you got? Number 25, let's jump right into it.
0: Number 25 is the Baltimore Orioles. And a lot of people think that the Orioles would be a lot lower on this list. But the Orioles, uh, they didn't have that bad of a 2020. We thought they'd be a lot worse, but they weren't. You know, the future looks really bright for Baltimore. They really surprised a lot of people last year, but my main question for Baltimore is, will we see the number one overall pick from 2019, Adley Rushman, make his debut? He was a catcher at Oregon State. That guy was phenomenal. Go ahead, go on YouTube, search for Adley Rushman. He is just quite the ball player. He's like 6'4". Uh, he's got muscle, he's got the swing of the bat, and for a catcher, that's really everything because not only can he call a great game from behind the plate, but he can step up to the plate and win the game with a, with a home run at, 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 at any time. So yeah. it's just, he's a phenomenal ball player. So that's the piece for me.
1: I got one question for you about Baltimore. The future is bright for, for them, definitely. So if you had to take a guess, how many years away do you think they are from being a contender in the playoffs?
0: I'd say about three years or so, uh, three years, but I I think it's important to get Ali Rushman in there. Of course, if he's ready, he's ready. Most of the time, college players uh, get promoted to the big leagues a lot faster than the high school guys because they had the time in college to develop their craft as well, right? So I I think it's important to get Ali Rushman to the big leagues as fast as possible so that way he can have time to mature so when the Orioles are ready, they have a destined captain on that team. One thing they really need to work on, though, is the pitching staff. The pitching staff is a concern, and that's why I have them three years away.
1: Yeah, there you go. All right, number twenty-four. What do you got?
0: The Kansas City Royals, and they're only above Baltimore because at least they're trying to get better through free agency. <laughs> I mean, they've signed a couple guys this free agency period that 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 has me looking like, hmm, wow, okay, Kansas City. I guess they're trying to win some ball games, and hey. All credit to him. Um, they signed Mike Miner in, in free agency, and that could really be in an under-the-radar deal, uh, you know, and with Mike Miner, you're getting a veteran guy, and over the last couple years, he's been more consistent as far as giving up runs per game and getting strikeouts. Mike Miner, you know, he, he's a real strikeout guy. A couple years ago in Texas, I think he, I believe he led the league in strikeouts, you know. He, he was up there, and also... One guy to watch out for if, if I'm the Royals and a Royals fan, Bobby Witt Jr., right? He, I think we, he went a couple slots behind Adley Rushman in the same draft. He is a high school guy, but he's the son of Bobby Witt, former MLB player, and, you know, he's also electric. Shortstop, really, he can do it all in baseball. He can hit could play defense so I, I would be looking to see if, if they would bring Bobby Witt up this year
1: yeah it would be definitely interesting I mean teams who are towards the bottom of the, of the MLB it's kind of the question to say okay do we start bringing up our young guys do we start going to our farm system trying to bring guys up who may just need more playing time maybe you just give them the big leagues maybe Bobby Witt's that sort of guy does that really translate to immediate success this year I would say maybe not but uh, it's definitely a question to whether or not you're gonna bring these young guys up that's really what I'm thinking here
0: for sure. So at number 23, I have the Detroit Tigers. Uh, they have young pitching guys, actually. Michael Fulmer. Casey Mize is on the come-up. And I do like the hiring of A.J. Hinch. Of course, A.J. Hinch, former World Series champion with an asterisk at the end of that. But honestly, A.J. Hinch could build a roster. He, he's a big reason why Houston was able to win and, and, and start winning consistently. So if you can bring the same thing to uh, Detroit minus the trash can banging, um, it could be a scary roster over in the Motor City. Uh, number 22, I have the San Francisco Giants uh, coming in at the 22nd spot of my power rankings. Um, and their pitching staff isn't a good spot they signed a couple guys they did lock up kevin gosman uh and they also signed anthony discalfani uh from cincinnati he had a era of just three and a half and under last year which is pretty consistent you know if, if, if you want a good consistent guy in the rotation in baseball you want that era to be three or lower anything over three is kind of shaky at times but three is pretty much the basis for those of you who don't know baseball that well era Earn run average Three runs per game and lower is really what, is really what you're looking for. Anthony DiScalfani uh, is a good guy. Uh, I saw him here when, in his beginning days in Miami. He had some good stuff. He had a good sinker going. And when he went to Cincinnati, that's really when he got the chance to learn his craft and get better. And now he is a member of the, of the Giants, so good move for them. But afraid <laughs> free deciding that the Giants made, that did help them get better, that not enough people are talking about, Tommy Lastella. He got $30 million, and for a guy that not all people know his name, uh, he's actually a solid ball player. He came from Los Angeles, uh, the Angels of Anaheim, that squad, not the Dodgers. Um, he, he's a good player. He's a third baseman. He, he's got the power coming to him now, and he, he's been more consistent at the plate. So it'll be interesting to see how... Uh, Tommy LaStella does in the Bay Area. So the Giants are 22nd for that reason. And honestly, last year, they were making a postseason push as well. So it'll be interesting to see how the new dynamic is in San Francisco.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean. Do you think that he's worth $30 million, though? Because I think a lot of teams who are, once again, who are towards the bottom of the the league, or in the bottom third of the league, they might start overpaying for free in an effort to get better quickly. So do you think he's worth that $30 million?
0: For sure. So, I mean, my my thing with uh, Tommy La is that he's either robbing the bank or he's showing up to play. It's one of those two things. Because... We've seen it happen over and over again. Daniel Murphy, who just retired, had a fantastic uh, twenty fifteen playoffs. Uh, he did so well. I believe he was a championship series MVP at one point, and then he leaves. He go gets he he gets the money over in Chicago. Gets paid by the Cubs. And he robbed the bank. He did not do well at all. Made his way over to Colorado. Didn't do, didn't do uh, so well over there as well. And obviously, Tommy Lasell didn't have that postseason success, but he did have regular season success. So again, raises the question: Are you robbing the bank, or are you coming to play? I think Tommy La Lasell is coming to play.
1: All right, all right. Your last team in this top five for the week, number twenty one. Who do
0: you got? So at number twenty one, uh, for for the last team of this week, it's going to be the Milwaukee Brewers. And for a lot of people, would think. You would think the Brewers would be a lot higher on my list, but to me, the Brewers have a lot of issues, and their biggest issue is pitching. And look, fortunately, the Brewers play in a pretty sorry division, right? But they also have Christian Jelic, who's a great ball player, National nationally MVP at one point, who just really came to his own after leaving Miami, and Josh Hader in the bullpen. But that pitching staff needs an ace. It needs one. They don't have a legit ace. All they have is middle-of-the-rotation guys. They don't have one. And look, Milwaukee can still contend because their division is just so bad, right? But that says more about the NL Central than it does about the Brewers. And uh, honestly, for Milwaukee, it's too bad that they're too cheap to pay for Trevor Bauer. Because if they got Trevor Bauer, that would fix a lot of their problems. But it just shows you how cheap they are. Also, want to, I want to take a dig at Christian Yelich real quick. Uh oh. Um, you know,
1: Here
0: we go. same guy who wanted out of Miami because he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. Oh, you know, uh, Christian Nelich, you're not getting anywhere near a World Series. And to me, the Marlins have a brighter future than the Brewers do. As you can see, the Marlins haven't been ranked yet on my list. And you'll find that out next week, possibly. But that does it for, you know, 25 through 21 on my MLB preseason power rankings list. Obviously, the season's kind of up in the air right now as far no as the start idea. date. So if the season does get delayed, the rankings will get delayed as well, and we'll for sure I'll let you know next week and everything like that. Alrighty, moving on to uh, my favorite segment of the week. The best of the week. Yeah, one of my favorites. Instagram questions. If you don't, already do. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at official takes on tap. DM us, uh, message us, whatever you want to do. Get your questions submitted. And on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at takes on tap show. We got some great stuff on there as well. You know, I, I sound like a broken record, but you really do want to keep up to date with us. I mean, yeah.
1: Why would you not? At this rate. At so this. Let's be honest.
0: <laughs> so our first question is uh, coming from FC, and they are asking us uh, three teams in the in the NFL have two number one picks, right? Uh, It's the Lions, the Jets, and the Jaguars. Obviously, the Lions have two number ones next year. Jaguars and Jets have two number ones this year, right? And the Jets have two number ones next year as well. So do you think this will be a trend for teams that need a rebuild?
1: I think it's definitely something that teams are going to look out for. When you are trying to rebuild your roster, you... Most of the time, you're not going to want to build that through free agency. That usually comes once you're a five-win, six-win football team, and you need guys to get you over the hump into the you know into a winning season. But when you're going through a full rebuild like the Jets and the Jaguars and the Lions are now, um, what you want are potential guys coming through the draft that have you know they have the potential to be able to be a franchise player at whatever position that they're coming in as. So to have if you if you have more first-round picks, obviously you're going to have more potential for game-breaking players, and I think this is a great trend to have for teams who are looking for, to rebuild. If you're looking at teams that may actually have to go through rebuild soon, Atlanta might have to go through rebuild soon, if they don't figure out, if they don't get the right quarterback here and they don't figure out the right their defense in the next couple of years, they could be going through a rebuild, and they should really start thinking about trying to require multiple first-round picks, because you just need players, you need an income of talent that could be able to give you franchise guys.
0: Yeah, and I think it will be the trend, because the Raiders did it when they treated Khalil Mack, and... Even though the Raiders haven't made the playoffs yet, they've they've won eight, you know, seven, eight games since then. And they, they, they had a bad roster before that. So I think it definitely is a trend, and I, I think it's the best way to rebuild quickly, right? Uh, I believe the Dolphins also have two first-round picks, right? So so this year, it, it's the Dolphins, the, uh, the Jaguars, and the Jets. And the Dolphins, who were rebuilding last year... Turn things around quickly.
1: Almost went to the playoffs, if not for a loaded
0: AFC conference. Three first-rounders last year. So, obviously, the picks help. I mean, it's pretty obvious there. So, I, I think it is going to be a, a trend. We're going to see a lot of teams trading their stars uh, for picks because, again, I think they're starting to see what I see in Kansas City, right? So many guys, and then, and then you know... When someone gets hurt, they still win games because of the depth on that roster. I think Kansas City is going to be the model uh, of, of how to win for a while because Andy Reid got there in 2013 and just kept drafting guys and drafting guys and developing guys like Travis Kelsey, Tyree Hill, and Mahomes, who he who, who sat for a year on the bench, and look where they are now, about to compete for another Super Bowl. So I think that is going to be a trend.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, if you're a team who's looking to rebuild or thinking about rebuilding – yeah, one thing about rebuilding, you can't be... I'm thinking about rebuilding. You're either real rebuilding or you're not. So yeah, for what there's no there's no middle ground here. It's yeah,
0: impossible. Then you end up like the Lions.
1: Yeah, then you end up like the Lions. But most teams that are thinking about rebuilding should acquire multiple first-round picks. It's always going to be a good advantage.
0: For sure. For sure. And uh, next question. We only have two questions this week because we got a lot on the slate this week. But don't worry. Keep them coming. They're on reserve. Of course. Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a funny one. Uh, JC is asking us, uh, will Tom Brady scramble for at least one yard this Sunday? There are actual bets on this.
1: I mean, I don't see why not. I, I... No,
0: no, people are betting actual money on whether Tom Brady will scramble for at least one yard in the Super Bowl. Because if, if you look at his stats, it, it's kind of sporadic for as far as whether Tom Brady rushes for a couple yards or gets negative yardage through the ground. Because obviously Tom Brady's 43 years old, nothing against him. Nothing against him at all, but that's just not his game. So will he get the yard?
1: You know what? I'm going to say yes. There was one game this season where he topped three rushing yards. That was week one against the Saints. He broke, let me give you a stat line here, three rushes for nine yards. That's a pretty good stat line. If and you're touchdown, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I think he snuck one I, in. He, that might game. Have stuck, he might have snuck one in. But do I think he rushes for a yard? Yes. I think Tom Brady can rush for a single yard in a, in a postseason football game. Um, Yes, it is the Super Bowl. Kansas City doesn't have a great defense, so um, I expect Tom Brady to get... You know what? I'll give him two yards today. I'll give him two yards for the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take no on that. I I, I think that Tom Brady's not even going to think about running out of the pocket because that game's going to be so so heavily focused on passing down the field that Brady's not even going to think... Oh, wait, I forgot. I can use my legs. That's not Tom Brady's game. He's going to throw it, check it to Mike Evans, or throw it up for Chris Godwin, hit Antonio Brown on a slant, and then throw it deep to Scotty Miller for the touchdown. That's what he'll be doing. I don't think he'll be running the ball. He'll be passing it, handing it off to Fournette. Um, I'm going to take Tom Brady gets, like, negative two rushing yards.
1: All right. Speaking of the Super Bowl.
0: Yes, 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 we're here. Finally time for our Super Bowl preview. I've been waiting all day for this, and my oh my, it's February 1st right now. Super Bowl is six days away. How excited are we?
1: We are extremely excited. Now, I do want to say, Scott, you won't be with me for the Super Bowl uh, this coming Sunday. That's right. I'm going to Miami, baby. You know, it's okay. I support it, but uh, we do have some stuff to talk about for the Super Bowl. Um, So I'm going to do a little bit of a breakdown. Um, so, Kansas City's favored by three points uh, for the game so far, um, and this game is going to be a shootout, right, Scott? It, it has to be a shootout.
0: I mean, please. We need a good Super Bowl. We 100%. need a good Super
1: Bowl. 100%. And there's going to be a couple keys for each team in order to make that happen. So, for Tampa Bay, we're start with Tampa Bay, the NFC champion. There's two things for them. The first one is get healthy before Sunday because they got a lot of injuries to important players. I'm going to read off this list here. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Levante David, Jordan Whitehead, and Antoine Winfield Jr. are all questionable for Sunday. The majority of them are expected to play for in the Super Bowl. But, of course, when you're not 100% in the Super Bowl, it's going to make a difference. So, sure. as we saw against Green Bay, the loss of Antoine Winfield definitely hurt them on defense
0: and hey man look the other day we, we went we uh, went out and played some touch football i was not 100 percent. i had a pinch nerve it affected me but guess what i was still able to score touchdowns so as as long as those guys are playing in the game i think they can make some kind of difference especially antonio brown uh but i think the biggest one for me is, is levante david he's he's the captain of of that Buccaneer defense, he's been there since two thousand twelve. Right, he's been through two jersey changes, multiple head coaches. He needs to play in this game, uh, just as much as Tom Brady does, just as much, just as much as every other guy in that Buccaneer roster does. Because again, he's the solidified captain of that Buccaneer defense. He's like Todd Bowles' right hand man.
1: Definitely. And speaking of that defense, whether or not Levante David plays, we, we're, not, we're not so certain of it yet. But regardless, this defense needs to pressure Patrick Mahomes. We saw it against Green Bay last week. They were able to pr- supply some pressure on Green Bay. Green Bay could not run the football. And Aaron Rodgers did Aaron Rodgers things and he just threw the ball down the field and it was a close game. If Patrick Mahomes, we know he can make plays. So if you pressure him and he still makes a play, rolls out of the pocket, throws a deep ball down the sideline, that, that gets complete, then good for him because you did all you could. And all you have, all you can do is pressure Mahomes. And so if I'm Tampa Bay, you got to just keep putting pressure Mahomes. The more time that you allow him to sit in the pocket and throw... That it, uh, the more time there is for him to be able to throw the ball down the field, and an interesting thing to note, they gotta uh, they gotta put some pressure on Mahomes because their starting two tackles are out for Kansas City.
0: Yeah, and, and, and another question for me is, can can Tom Brady's arm keep up with Patrick Mahomes' arm? I don't know if it can, you know, because Tom Brady is forty three years old. Exactly. Uh, Mahomes is you know only getting better, so it's it's really it's really gonna come down to whether. Tampa Bay can play catch-up. I think the team that has the ball first is going to score first, and then so on, right? So whoever scores first, it's really going to be about whether the defense can get one pure stop.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely it, and you just got to keep keep applying pressure. But like you just said, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, their offense is much better than Tampa Bay's, right? It's just that's the case. Yes. Tom Brady's not going to be able to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. And so if I'm Kansas City you just got to get hot early and you got to keep going. So in the regular season matchup, Tampa Bay and Kansas City, they got hot early. Tampa Bay, the only reason why that game was close, it ended 27-24. The only reason why was because they scored 14 fourth quarter points and Kansas City kind of just let that one go. And they had that game too, 27-10. If not for two fourth quarter touchdowns by the Bucks, that game would have gotten out of hand quickly. So like I said, if Kansas City, if they want to win this game, they got to get out early, get hot, and just take down this Buck defense. And on the defensive side of the football for the Chiefs, they have a bend-o-break defense, and that's just something that we've seen all season. They do have a good defense. That's definitely that's definitely true. Um, but they just need to limit deep ball production by Brady. Uh, we saw it against Green Bay. He threw a couple bad picks, and that was just as a result of pressure by the Green Bay front seven. Um, but overall, I mean, you could talk about two big plays. Chris Godwin down the middle of the field. That results in a touchdown in the third quarter. And then Scotty Miller at the end of the half down the sideline. Um, over Kevin King. Those are two plays that determine the outcome of that game in the NFC Championship. So if I'm Kansas City, you've got to limit those big plays. That's just the key.
0: I think another thing to mention, and I'm sure you're going to hear it everywhere, I'm going to tell you again because it really is historically significant. Tampa Bay is the first team to play their Super Bowl at their home field, although it probably won't make much of a difference because, of course, in the climate we live in today, uh, you're not going to have a packed house. Right? But again, uh, I, I think overall it's going to be a fantastic matchup. It's going to be amazing. Look, three things are going to happen, right? Obviously, the, the thing we all want is a fantastic 55 to 54 ball game where at the last second somebody wins and you're on the edge of your seat your whole time. The second option is it's fun at times, but overall the game ends 27 to 24 if we're lucky and it's close enough. And, of course, the worst option, which, again, I don't know why it's aching at me, but I feel like it might happen. We have an absolute blowout of a game where it is 45 to 45-10 and one team did not show up.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen games like that where it's just a beat down. With Tom Brady, team. I don't think that'll happen. I don't think so, but here's what I am thinking. What, do, is there any chance at all that this becomes a defensive game? That it becomes like 17-14? You remember the two Giants Super Bowls that they played? 17-14 to 14 and, and, you know, the, are, you, are you expecting that at all? Because the Patriots have been in those games a lot. I mean, 28-24, disregarding the Eagles Super Bowl that would just happened a few years ago, they haven't had high-scoring Super Bowls at all. So is Kansas City the team that's going to break that?
0: To be honest with you, Brandon, after everything that's transpired over the past couple months, I... Nothing surprises me anymore. Nothing in the sports world really stuns me and shocks me anymore. Very few things do, so I wouldn't be surprised if it really came down to that. And another thing, are we taking any bets on overtime? I mean, man, that'd be great <laughs> if we saw Super Bowl go to overtime. Definitely. I, I mean,
1: who some overtime, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Look,
0: More commercials.
1: Whatever the case may be, this game's going to be really good. It's going to be amazing, of course.
0: It's going to be so fun. I'm going to have a lot of fun in Miami, too. Yeah, you it? will. Yeah, it's be great, over there. great, big old time. Hopefully mm-hmm. we get some good weather, and hopefully, you know, we're crossing our fingers. It does not rain in Tampa. Oh, that oh, that wow. would be the real stinker. That
1: would suck. We need some weird. good, like seventy degree, little windy
0: football little, weather. Football yeah. weather. Football weather. But as always, of course, uh, we want to thank uh, everyone at Belly Up Sports. Of course, our sponsors, our, our partners, and uh, if you don't already do, go ahead. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Official Takes on Tap. I'm Scott Kirk with Brandon Daniels. This was the Takes on Tap show. We'll see you next week, Tuesday, post-Super Bowl. This was the Takes on Tap show presented by Belly Up Sports.